So hallelujah, praise the one who set us free. He is our living hope, and now we come to his living word. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open with me to two uh, different places, both in the same book, Exodus chapter 20, as well as Exodus 34. So Exodus 20 and chapter 34. And welcome to week 17 of our series that has us walking through the attributes of God, a series that we call Behold. And as we've I've been continually reminded God has graciously made himself known to us and God has powerfully revealed himself um, to us. It takes God to know God and God has revealed himself. And during this series, we have looked at some very lofty portraits of God that have, have left us in awe, but we have also looked at some very difficult portraits of God. And today we come to one, probably one of the most difficult portraits for us to, to really look at when it comes to God. And this morning we are looking at the, the jealousy of God. In our first service, uh, Brother Frank got up and prayed right before I spoke and he said, Lord, I pray that we would just receive this word with excitement and gladness and joy. And I'm thinking as he's praying, he doesn't know what I'm talking about today. Because when we think about the jealousy of God and those words might not come um, into our minds um, excitement and gladness and, and joy. And just think about it like this. Nobody would ever imagine or create in their minds a jealous God. When left to ourselves, the kind of gods that we create are gods that always have characteristics that we admire. So we create gods with absolute large amounts of mercy and love and grace and kindness and goodness and a whole lot of, of patience, but the whole jealousy and judgment and those kind of things, um, not so much. Those aren't really um, in our vocabulary. So um, time and time again, though, we read the Word of God, and guess what? God reveals Himself to us as a jealous God. God even goes so far as to proclaim that His name is Jealous. And I know that this can be wildly confusing to us. And let me just show you how confusing it, it can be. If you go home today, and I don't recommend it, but if you would like to, just to check and make sure I'm telling you the truth, um, go home. If you Googled Oprah Winfrey and Jealous God, um, you will find an interview with her in which she talks about being 28 years old, being in a Baptist church where a pastor was preaching about how big God was. She talks about um, hearing about God's omniscience and his power and his um, just abilities and all these different ways that he was righteous, that he was holy and loving. And she said as she heard those things, her heart just leapt within her. And then she says, the preacher then went on and said he was a jealous God. And she says, and this is from her own mouth, from the second I heard that, I was done. Because if God is jealous of me, he is not God. Yet let me just say this this morning. God has actually and God has repeatedly revealed himself as just that. He is a jealous God. Are we able to diminish um, or dismiss the attributes of God just because we don't like them? Are we able just to do away with who God is just because we're uncomfortable with what it is that God has revealed himself to be? And I think it's important for us to really understand or think about what jealousy is. You know, here's a very good definition of jealousy. Jealousy is a strong feeling of possessiveness, often caused by the possibility that something which belongs to us 
or ought to belong to us is about to be taken away. Or here's how we often think of jealousy or how human jealousy responds. I, I often kind of balk at telling stories, especially sports-related, but I'm going to jump in because I think most of you will be familiar at least with the name here. Um, the guy's name is Michael Jordan. Maybe you've heard of him, the greatest basketball player of all time, period. That is in my humble but accurate opinion. You might give me another person, but you would be wrong. Um, so the greatest basketball player ever, he wrote a book. Um, a book was written, Driven from Within. It tells an eye-opening story of, of Jordan visiting a friend's home, the friend his name was Fred Whitfield, who was the president and CEO of another uh, NBA team, not the Chicago Bulls. And the two were getting ready to go out, to go out and um, Jordan said, hey, man, it's kind of cold outside. May I borrow one of your jackets? And the guy said, yeah, down the hall, the, um, you'll find my closet. So Jordan was gone for a while. The house kind of got quiet, um, very eerie. Finally, Jordan walked um, from down the hall carrying a whole bunch of clothes, just dumped them on the floor, and then went back. And um, Whitfield um, looked down and, of course, saw that uh, everything that was in the pile was basically of one apparel company, um, Puma, not Nike. Of course, Michael Jordan is known for Nike, the, the brand. And um, so Jordan came back out again with more Puma stuff, threw it on the ground, left again, comes back from out of the kitchen with a butcher knife in his hands, cuts up to shreds all of the jackets and pants and shoes and shirts and hats that had the Puma logo on them, collected them all, went and threw them in the dumpster and came back and said um, to Whitfield, hey man, call my Nike representative tomorrow and tell him to replace all of this stuff, but don't ever, ever let me see you wearing anything other than Nike ever again. Stop riding the fence in my presence. And so we, we think about a story like that, and of course Michael Jordan's behavior in that moment maybe makes us a little uncomfortable. Maybe we go, man, that's kind of some craziness happening, or human jealousy. And what we know is this human jealousy doesn't always react rationally, right? So um, you know, I think about um, kind of that regard, and I won't tell stories of how that has played out in my, my own life, but divine jealousy is not, is not petty emotion that we often experience. The jealousy that we know is often self-centered. The jealousy that we know is often destructive. The jealousy that we know is often catastrophic and um, what it brings about. Yet that is not the kind of jealousy that we're talking about today, especially from a God who is perfect in all of his ways. So what I want us to do this morning, I want us to look at his perfect word. And in looking at his perfect word, we'll come to see an attribute that really is itself perfect and good, just like God is. For everything that is said about God must be perfect and good. And I pray that we would come to see this term in a light that has been shown to us by God. We'll see it away from our human um, minds and we'll see the goodness of God being jealous. And we ourselves will find ourselves being jealous for the same things that God is jealous of. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5, and then turn over to chapter 34 and read verse 14 together. So Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5, when you get there, amen. amen. Or, or when you see it on the screen, no you don't, not yet. There you go. All right. So verses 4 and 5, um, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Hear this. For I, the Lord, your God, 
am a jealous God. Now turn over to Exodus 34. So we just read the second commandment given there from the mouth of God. Now Exodus 34, verse 14. So Exodus 34, 14 says this, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. And Lord, today, give us insight, give us your wisdom, your guidance, your light, your revelation through your Holy Spirit to see you for who you are, all of you for all that you are, even the character traits that we often want to hide or we want to push to the back. God, help us not to do that. Help us to see the beauty and the glory of your jealousy, to see what it is that you're jealous of and why it is that you are jealous for that. Make it clear today, God, stir our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. So just think about what we just read. God's name is jealous. And think about this. Wouldn't it be interesting if, if people were not just called by their given names, but if people were um, kind of known and called by their most dominant personality trait? So what if that became our name, our most dominant personality trait? So think about this. Wives, what would your husband's personality name be? You know, would it be something sweet and cuddly and kind? Or would it be something not so sweet and not so kind? Or parents, what would our kids' personality um, name be? You know, would it be something sweet and kind or something that maybe we need to bring to the altar um, and, and lay down from, from that standpoint? Yet in Scripture, the Lord is given names that represent His character qualities. He is called the King of Kings, a deliverer, provider, helper, healer, redeemer. The list goes on and on. Yet of all the names, again, the one that seems out of place is jealous. That God is jealous. His name is jealous. That word definitely doesn't sound positive. Some of us live in this bubble that we believe everything we hear about God must make us feel good. And it must be positive. And when we hear that, we go, well, that, that can't be right because that doesn't make me feel good about myself. Therefore, that can't be the truth. And yet, here it is. It's what the Bible says. Yet for us, sinful beings, it feels petty to us. It feels like a couple of junior high girls that are interested in the same boy. Petty. Or it feels like the possessive high school boyfriend that doesn't want his girlfriend looking at anybody else, even making eye contact with anybody. Or that um, worker that we, the co-worker that we have that wants to try to make everybody look bad um, in the presence of the boss so they can somehow look better. It feels like that to us. But think about this. What reason would God have to be jealous? Doesn't everything belong to him? And we would say, yes, it does. Is there anything that competes with his power? Is there anything that competes with his greatness? And we would say, no, nothing competes with him, at least not in reality. Yet there's confusion here. On one hand, we read in the Bibles, we just read God's name is jealous. He is a jealous God. Those are his words, not ours. And we read that. And yet, on the other hand, the Bible makes it clear that it's wrong for us to be jealous. Romans 13, 13 says, Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity or sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. So don't behave in 
a strifeful way or being jealous. And those are some scriptural examples. Over and over, the Bible tells us that God is jealous. And over and over, the Bible says, don't be. Don't be jealous. So is that a contradiction? Does the Bible contradict itself? Does God contradict himself? Is there a different standard of right and wrong for us than there is for God? Does God hold us to a higher standard than he holds himself? And these are some of the questions that that come. But the greatest answer to all these questions is this. We just don't understand God for who he is. When all is said and done, we just don't understand who God is. What we are quick to do is we are quick to try to place God on our playing field. And we are quick to try to um, throw our jealousy on him. As if that's the way God is jealous. God, as if God is jealous like the way we're jealous, steeped in our insecurities and all of, of those things. And here's what we know. The overtones of our jealousy, when you and I are jealous, I don't know you, but I know your jealousy. And I know this, when we are jealous, it's often steeped in selfishness. It's often steeped in suspicion and insecurity and distrust. It implies resentment and hostility towards others because they have what we want or because they are what we're not or they're getting what we wish we had. And therefore, all of our insecurities come rushing to the forefront and our jealousy comes right down upon them. Yet think of it like this. And saying that God is jealous isn't saying that God is, like Shakespeare said, jealousy is a green-eyed monster. So in saying that God is jealous doesn't mean he's a green-eyed monster. It means this, and please hear this, it means he is a red-faced lover. He is a red-faced lover who wants the best for us. And he will go to battle for the sake of his glory and for the sake of our good. And this is the picture of who he is. And let me just go a step further. God is not jealous because he's afraid we'll find someone better than him. That's our jealousy. Our jealousy is we're afraid afraid someone's going to find someone better than us or we get jealous. God knows there is nothing, no one better than him. He knows he made it all. So he knows the heart of it all. He knows who he is. The whole point is, again, God is jealous for his glory in all things. And God is jealous for our ultimate good. And those two things go together. Even though sometimes we think they don't. We think if if God's going to be glorified, then we're not going to be happy and good's not going to happen. We're just going to be miserable. But the picture is as God is glorified in our lives, we find in that moment goodness and happiness and purpose like we never knew outside of it. So what I want to do today is in the time that we have, I want to kind of unpack three pictures of God's jealousy and kind of what it it means and how it relates to to us and his relationship to the world that he created. The first truth is this. God is jealous in relation to his purpose. So God is jealous in relation to his purpose. So the question quickly becomes, what is the purpose of God? What is God's purpose? If you ask many people, they'll say God's purpose is to make me happy. God's purpose is to make sure that I have the best life now. And that is God's purpose. But that is not God's purpose according to the word of God. God's purpose according to his word is, get this, to glorify his name. The purpose of God is to glorify his name. In Isaiah 43, 7, it says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. 
God created us according to his word for his glory. In Isaiah 48, 11, God says, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory, I will not give to another. So what is God jealous for? God is jealous for his glory, his fame, his honor. God wants his name to be where it should be. He wants his glory to be where it should be. He desires that his name is lifted up above all names, that his glory rests above all other things. God is jealous for the supremacy of his name to be known in the world. Or to put it this way, God isn't jealous to protect our name. He's jealous to protect his God is not just jealous for our reputation. He's jealous for his reputation. God said to Israel, just like he would say to us, if I left it to you, you'd ruin my reputation. But I'm fighting for my own reputation. I'm fighting for the sake of my own name. It is not wrong. Please hear this. It's not wrong for God to seek his own honor because God is the only one who is altogether honorable. So God is not wrong for him to do that. He is altogether honorable. He deserves honor and glory from his creation. And we're giving him glory not because of who God aspires to be. We're giving him glory because of who he is and forever will be. And sometimes we, we put praise upon our kids and upon others. And we, we speak things that really isn't there. But we hope one day will be. You know, and, and that kind of, kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of like my parents used to tell me, Michael, one day God's going to use you, but until he does, take this pill. And I mean, so, you know, we kind of have that, that standpoint of you know, trying to speak things um, in, and that's how we are. But the picture is with, with God. Listen, he's not aspiring to be anything. He is and forever will be. In Ezekiel 39, it says this, Thus says the Lord, I will be jealous for my holy name. Meaning that jealousy is not just a passing mood with God. God can't be other than jealous. He must be jealous. He is the highest and greatest being that there is. He must be committed and he is committed to protecting his own glory. We said this a few months ago when we looked at our, our second um, week in this series and we focused on the glory of God and we said this. I want to say it again. Think of it like this. It's a very good thing for us that the sun and not the earth is the center of our solar system. For, from this standpoint, the, the sun is 30,000 times bigger than the earth. If the earth was at the center of the solar system, the earth would not have the gravitational ability to hold the rest of the solar system in place and everything would drop and we would all die. So think of, of it like this. If the sun were a person... The most loving thing the sun could ever do is say, I've got to stay here. I've got to be in the center. If I'm not in the center, everything falls apart. The most loving thing the sun can do is say, I have to be here. And in a much greater way, the most loving thing our God can do is to say, I must be in the center. Because if I'm not in the center, it all falls apart. If you don't keep me in the center, if you put anything else where I alone should be, you're not going to get by. You're not going to make it. Things will fall apart and you will not be able to get to the end in that way. I think of the words of John Piper who says, God would be unrighteous if he valued anything more than what is supremely valuable. If God did not take infinite delight 
in the worth of his own glory, he would be unrighteous. So God is jealous in relation to his purpose, the glory of his name, the exalt, exaltation of his um, fame in the world that he made. But then secondly, God is jealous in relation to his passion. So not just his purpose, but his passion. So we know God's purpose to make much of himself, but what is God's passion? And God's passion is this, that he would be loved and obeyed by his people. God would be a loved and he would be obeyed by his people. Listen to Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24. It's on the screen. God says, take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God. So speaking about his people, which he made with you and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Let me make a quick distinction here and please hear this. God is not jealous of anything. So Oprah got it wrong. God is not jealous of us. So God is not jealous of anything. He is God. He cannot be. But God is jealous for something. You get it? There's a difference. There's a difference between being jealous of something and being jealous for something. God is not jealous of us. He is jealous for us. He wants our obedience. He wants our love because in, when he has that, we are experiencing life as we're supposed to and meant to experience it. And I think the best way for us to describe or to, us to kind of wrap our heads around this is to look at, in a sense, the, the marriage relationship. Just as a, a husband cannot be indulgent of adultery in his wife or vice versa, God is not going to idly sit by and watch infidelity in his people. You know, I think about my own life and, and from my own human perspective. This year, myself and Misty are celebrating 20 years together. And that's not a whole lot compared to many in our church, but there's something needs to be said for Misty putting up with me for 20 years. So there, there needs to be a ribbon or something that she gets um, for the sake of, of that. But think about this. In a marriage relationship, I am my wife's and she is mine. I don't love Misty because she gives to me. I, I love her because she's mine and because I'm hers. And there are parts of me that she gets that no one else gets. And there are parts of her that I get that no one else gets. And I'm not just speaking about physically here. I'm talking about what the Hebrews would call a mingling of souls. A mingling of souls. It's a beautiful thing where I get parts of her emotionally and physically that no one else gets. And she gets parts of that that no one else gets. It's a beautiful thing. But here is the sad reality of our sinful relationships. And that in our relationships, there are two different types of jealousy. We are prone to not just righteous jealousy. We are sometimes prone to unrighteous jealousy. And what I mean by that is this. If I see Misty talking to another man, and all of a sudden I get angry and I get resentful simply because she's having a conversation with another man, that is not righteous jealousy. That is insecure possessiveness where I'm trying to beat her down and I'm trying to wield a sword over her that is not exalting her, that is not lifting her up, that is trying to crush her and is not glorifying and honoring to God. Any type of jealousy in that way is birthed out of my own insecurity and my own fear. And it is sinful jealousy. It's sinful. But let me say this. On the other side, if I see a man 
cunning and crafty, trying to alienate Misty's affections, trying to seduce her, trying to draw her away from me, something is going to rise up in me. Now, part of it is going to be unrighteous anger, but there's certain, something that should be there, which is righteous anger. Where I look at that and I say, in that moment, I'm not going to go, well, I hope it works out for me. I hope she chooses me over, over him. I guess I'll just sit back and wait for a letter, wait for her to decide. No, in that moment, there is an attack on my wife's affections, attack on our covenant promises with each other. There's an attack in that moment, hear this, on what is rightfully mine. It's rightfully mine. In fact, the same would be true if a, wicked, a woman with a wicked heart used my desire and my love for God to somehow um, get me in my office and try to seduce me in that way. In that same sense, it would be right for my wife um, in a, a way that only sometimes, and only a wifely way, I guess I could say, it'd be right for my wife to oppose that with every fiber of her being. Why? Because I am hers and she is mine. I am hers, she is mine. Let me, let me just go a step further here. Anyone who would try to rightfully take away from what God has joined together is wicked, is sinful, and deserves to be stood against. Deserves to be stood against. And, and maybe there's some here and you would have a contrary thought. Maybe, maybe there's some, and I know there's many in our world that would say things like this. They would say, well, I mean, really? You know, come on, your wife should be allowed to sleep with whoever she wants to. You should be able to allowed to sleep with whoever you want to. Anybody who has that thought, let me just make very clear who they are. They are a person who has no soul and a person who views us as being nothing more than animalistic and doing whatever we want to. And if that is you, you are wicked and you have a dark heart and you are not lifting up the things of God. Let me say it one more time. My wife is mine. I don't share her with others. I am hers. She does not share me with others. It is a covenant relationship. And let me just step back for a second and say this, just to bring it back home for those I might have lost. That is how God feels about his people. That is God, the way God feels about us. He is jealous for us with a righteous jealousy because God says, they are mine. They're mine. They're not yours. They're not somebody else's. They are mine. Think of it this way. God was jealous for your salvation. And so therefore, he brought the gospel into your life in many ways. He brought the gospel into your life through many people, through many different expressions, until finally God broke through in the power of the Holy Spirit, and God brought you to salvation. And you are his but even more, don't just stop there. God is jealous for you now. He is jealous for you now. He's jealous for your spiritual welfare. Every temptation and trial that you face, God is jealous for you in it and through it. God does not want us to be robbed by covetousness or by compromise or worldliness or lust or prayerlessness or disobedience. God is jealous for us in every temptation and every trial. He is jealous because he wants us to experience the fullness of what he desires to give. And when we're not receiving that, God is jealous for his glory in our lives and ultimately, again, for our good. 
Which leads us to the third truth. So God is jealous in relation to his purpose. Secondly, his passion. But third, God is jealous in relation to his protection. God is jealous for us because he wants to protect us. He desires to protect us. I think of the words of J.I. Packer who says, God's jealousy is not a compound of frustration, envy, spite, as human jealousy so often is. But God's jealousy appears instead as praiseworthy zeal to preserve something supremely precious. God is trying to preserve something supremely precious. You know what that is? Us. His people. His body he's preserving he's protecting something that he values as being precious and that is what divine jealousy is it's a zeal to protect us in the midst of our a love relationship to avenge us from any brokenness or anything that might lead us away from him again think back to exodus 20 the second of the ten commandments where god says you shall not make a carved image why should why, why does God say don't make a carved image? We talked about this on, on Wednesday. Because nothing that we could ever make can fully show forth all of God's glory. Nothing that we could make could ever show forth. In fact, read Psalm 115. Psalm 115, the psalmist says, you make these idols, you become like the ones you make. And then he says this, he says, they have eyes, they can't see. They have ears, they can't hear. They have mouths, they cannot speak. They have hands, they can't touch. Imagine this, imagine giving your life to a God that you have to carry everywhere. You not only have to carry your own burdens, you have to carry your God's burdens everywhere you go. But that is not the picture of the God that we serve. We serve a God who carries us. He carries us, and He carries us, and He keeps carrying us. It's a beautiful picture. Why He is... So it says, you shall not do that, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. One theologian put it this way. God is not jealous for us like an employer who somehow fears that his employee will find a better job that pays more. And they're afraid and they keep him away from that. God's jealousy is not, um, it does not revolve out or does not come out of any weakness or fear in him. Let me explain God's jealousy to you. God is jealous for us like a powerful and merciful king who takes a peasant girl from a life of shame and brings her to himself, forgives her, marries her, and doesn't just give her chores of a slave. No, he brings her in as his wife and not just his wife, but as his queen. And his jealousy does not rise from fear or from weakness, but from a holy jealousy to keep her where she is and not see her return to where she was and that's the picture of God's jealousy over us he takes us from a life of shame from a life of death from a life of guilt he brings us to himself he doesn't just forgive us we are sons and daughters of the most high God and then God protects us and is jealous of us to keep us right where we are in him so that we don't return to where we were before he saved us. Thus is the jealousy of God. Or to put it this way, it's a horrifying sin for us to use our God-given life to commit adultery against an almighty God. It's a horrible sin for us to use the lives that God has redeemed 
and has given us to commit adultery against him. God is jealous over his name. Therefore, anything that brings dishonor to his name, God is going to fight against. He's going to fight against. He is jealous for his great name and jealous for us. Or as Charles Spurgeon says, did God not choose you? He cannot bear the thought that you should choose another. Did he not buy you with his own blood? He cannot endure that you should think that you are your own or that you belong to this world. He stripped himself to nakedness that he might clothe you with beauty. He bowed his face to shame and spitting so that he might lift you up to honor and grace. And he cannot endure that you should love the world or the things of this world. God will protect and jealously protect his honor and his glory. God must do so. But let me just say this. Go ahead real quick with me. Turn to 1 Kings 19. I want to end this way. 1 Kings 19. And as you turn there, let me just say this. If we are serious about our relationship with him, we, we will see that not only is God jealous for his name's sake, let me tell you what, we will be jealous for his name's sake. We will want what God wants. God wants his name to be exalted above all names, and we will want that as well. And I think about 1 Kings 19. Of course, that comes right after 1 Kings 18. And in 1 Kings 18, we're told of a story about a prophet um, named Elijah who stood toe-to-toe by himself with 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And basically, Elijah, it, it went like this. Psalm, or 1 Kings 18 went like this. Um, hey, everybody come. It's me against the prophets of Baal. We're going to find out who's worshiping the true God. What we're going to do, we're going to make an altar. They're going to pray. If God, their God answers by fire and, and takes the offering, he must be God. I'm going to do the same thing. If my God responds that way, then he is God alone. So for over six hours, these prophets of Baal are crying out and they're, they're praying and they're cutting themselves and they're bleeding. And in the midst of it, um, unfortunately, and sometimes I read it and I'm like, I kind of like this, Elijah. He begins to taunt them. And he begins to say, pray louder. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. And you need to pray a little bit louder. Try to get his attention. And they're praying and they're cutting themselves. In some of the saddest words of scripture, it says in um, chapter 18, verse 29, no one answered. No one paid attention. No one. And then Elijah steps up, he takes the altar, he repairs it, he pours water all over it, and he prays a 62-word prayer. And fire comes down from heaven and takes everything. And everybody that was there responds by falling on their face to the ground, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So what got that kind of attention? What got the people to that place? Well, first of all, God showed up in power and might. But also this, there was one servant of God who was jealous for the name of God, who wanted people who weren't giving worth to God to see God for who he was. And he was jealous for them to see God for his great name. And now look at chapter 19 and look at verse 14. Something happens where Queen Jezebel comes after Elijah. He, he hits this moment where he's depressed. He even asks God to take his life. God comes to him in this still small voice and speaks. And then look at verse 14. This is um, Elijah speaking back to God. Elijah says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. 
For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So Elijah says to God, God, I'm jealous for your name because you're jealous for your name. And yet, no other prophet is standing by me. No one else. I'm by myself, God. Let me tell you what, what happens when you and I begin to get jealous for the name of God, Satan will come at us and try to tell us that we're by ourselves. That no one else is standing up for God. No one else is serving God. No one else cares. It's only us. And look at verse 19. Because I love what God does here. Verse 19, or excuse me, verse 18, I'm sorry. It says this, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. In that moment, God said to Elijah, Elijah, things are 7,000 times better than you think they are. You think you're alone, and I'm telling you, there's 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee, who haven't kissed Baal. Things are 7,000 times better than what you think. And let me just end this way. Number one, God is extremely jealous for the sake of the glory of his name and for the good of his people. And our greatest good is found when we are giving all of our lives for his glory. Secondly, we need to also be jealous for God's name as God is jealous. We need to be jealous for the name of God, for the fame of God. Not that we are, uh, I love what um, one theologian said about the word of God. He says, I'm not defending the word of God. I'm treating it like a lion. I'm just letting it out of its cage. If I let us out of his cage, it will do what it's supposed to do. We just trust God enough to speak his word and be jealous for him. But then third, in times of us being jealous for God, Satan will convince us or try to convince us that we're alone. That we're all by ourselves and we're the only ones that care. And in that moment, may God continually show us that we are not alone. That he has reserved not just um, a few thousands, but thousands upon thousands of people who have not bowed their knee to the enemy, who have not kissed the ring of the false God, but who have stayed true to God through the grace and mercy of the one who deserves all of our glory and honor. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I, I pray today, let me just say this, I pray that you would not leave today in the attitude of, of Oprah thinking, well, that's not the God I want to serve. I pray that we would leave for today in the attitude of Elijah, saying this God is worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of us to stand for, for he has stood for us in more ways than we could ever imagine. He still stands um, in our place continually, and we are so thankful for that. And we're going to pray and ask the um, musicians to come forward and enter into a time of invitation and consecration. Let's just pray together. Father, we come before you now. And Lord, your word declares that you are a jealous God. And Lord, that might hit us in a way that it shouldn't, especially when we view that from a sinful tendency. But Lord, we're talking about a God that in you there is no sin. You know no sin. Therefore, every character trait, every attribute is perfect. Your jealousy is a perfect jealousy because your name is perfect. Your glory is perfect. Your honor is perfect. And you are altogether honorable. Lord, help us to desire the honor of your name. God, help us to be jealous for what you are jealous of. Help us to realize, God, you're not jealous of us. You're jealous 
for us. You're jealous for our good. You want us to experience life the way we were meant to experience it in you, through you, for your glory, for our good. Lord, I pray for anyone in here today who the enemy has convinced that they're alone. Remind them that they are not alone. And even in moments, God, where the journey seems like they're alone, remind them, Lord, that you are with them. Lord, just finish this time today in a way that only you can. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.